This podcast is sponsored by FortuneFavors.ie. FortuneFavors.ie is a home workout equipment store and your one-stop shop for all home gym equipment. They are well known for their adjustable dumbbells, which combine 15 different weights in one dumbbell. They have both 24kg and 40kg adjustable dumbbells. Check the link in the bio of this episode for more information. Hello and you're all very welcome along to this episode of the GA Statsman podcast and I hope you're all keeping wonderfully well. My name is Matt Hurley and in today's show I welcome on the Tackling Sport podcast co-host Daniel Hussey on to talk about the weekend's action in both hurling and gaining football this weekend. Just before we get into the chat I want to give you a quick reminder about our sponsors today at fortunefavors.ie. There is a discount code in their checkout that you can use called Statsman10 to get 10% off any of their products. Go check the link in the bio of this episode to purchase your home gym equipment from fortunefavors.ie. Now without further delay, let's get into the preview. So I'm here with the Tackling Sports co-founder Daniel Hussey just to talk about the GA action this weekend and the main GA stories this week. Um, I suppose, Daniel, the GA is in full swing now. I suppose the Olympics is on as well. The Euros was on a few weeks ago, but you look at the GA championship now, it's coming to the latter end of it. The sun's out as well. It's brilliant, brilliant weather all around and brilliant time to be alive, I suppose. But how's things with yourself so far? Yeah, good. Like, it's funny you mentioned the Olympics and the Euros. Like, the, even though we're in a pandemic world, we're still competing with a big soccer tournament every two years and the Olympics every four years. So it's like the Euros are over and you can just focus on Ga. And every time I don't think I'll get caught up in the Olympic fever, but now I'm, geez, I'm staying up till all hours watching rowers, watching badminton. It's been amazing. So I guess like by the time the Olympics is finished, we'll have, you know, about two weeks left of the Ga season, Be you know, for obvious reasons to get the club season ahead. But yeah, it's uh we're not spoiled. We're spoiled for choice in terms of what to watch. But the GA is just about to start hotting up now. Hopefully, and I think we'll get some cracking, you know, all Ireland semi-finals and finals in both codes, and then hopefully before that as well. Yeah, absolutely. The Olympics, as you say, you'll be watching things from all hours. Like I think one night I was watching the hundred meter breaststroke final with Mona McSharry. That was at three o'clock in the morning. Like, you yes, know, I it's did. yeah, it was it was a brilliant achievement just to get there. And all of the course won a medal. Uh, as we recorded this morning as well so it's absolutely brilliant times at least we got one medal anyway and hopefully they'll continue but as for Jay there's a huge story actually this morning Joe Canning announced his retirement from the Galway Senior Hurlers and it's quite fitting his last involvement was that brilliant pass it to Jason Flynn who fired it at the back of the net doing what he always does really brilliant skills showcasing the beautiful game but um, Joe Canning unbelievable player and he will be missed by Galway I would have thought as well yeah, I I don't remember retirement like it, to be honest with you, in both hurling and Gaelic football in GA circles because I kind of saw the news and I was a bit shocked and then it kind of got real, I don't know, small bit emotional about it all and I guess I kind of came to the conclusion that he is definitely my favourite player, or favourite hurler anyway to watch and it's funny you mentioned like Joe Canning, 
he scored you know scored a lot of points there last day but it was his couple of passes that he's remembered for and you I think that's kind of epitomizes Joe Canning he wasn't just a player that would get the scores or get the freeze he would bring other players into the game and I remember a lot of games where he would kind of take men out of the game in order to facilitate other Galway forwards getting scores so like a couple of memories from like the one that sticks out is that 27 All-Ireland semi-final against Tipperary and I was over doing a road trip in America at the time. I'd just finished college and we were in Yosemite going for a hike and we were watching GA Hour and like the or GA or GA Go on a, in like a public bathroom. So I was watching like the last 10, 15 minutes before we, we went out and they ended up being about seven or eight of us hunched around the, the phone trying to, trying to see, you know, get catch a glimpse of the game and Joe Canning on the sideline gets the ball, hits it over and the game game's blown up. It's just the perfect... And there were seven or eight Irish lads kind of like realised then how phenomenal he is. And Jesus was brilliant. He got that All-Ireland uh, in 2017. What an absolute travesty if he didn't. And we'll talk, we'll get onto the water for game now in a second, but it just shows you that the All-Irelands don't get handed out. And it, it, thank God he got one because he, that could have easily been a career. <laughs> so if another team got their act together or that point doesn't go over the bar in 17 in the semi-final, that we're looking at Joe Kenning without an All-Ireland, which would be a travesty for me. He's up there with the greatest ever to play. Like I know the Kilkenny lads, like you know Henry Sheffield and DJ Kerry have all the All Irelands, but for me, in terms of my favorite player to watch, my personal preference would be Joe Canning because no matter how bad a game he was having, you'd always be watching Joe. And if you're ever at a game, you'd be watching Joe. And he was just known as Joe, thinking the amount of Joe is to play GA, and there's only one Joe. So uh, yeah, it was it was a bit emotional, but um, that memory sticks out, and there's obviously loads more as well. But uh, yeah. He'll be, be sorely missed, to be honest with you. And I, I actually think Galway will suffer big time as a result of it. Yeah, it's hard to see where Galway go from here. Like, they do have brilliant players coming through, but obviously, as you say, there's one Joe Canning. And obviously, you tweet earlier, like, he's the kind of player that you would have thought he'd go on forever, really. He's just that kind of a player. Even he started out very early. I think it was against Cork in 2008. He produced a brilliant piece of skill. I think he was only a teenager at the point. At that point, like, the guy was just an absolute magician. And as I say, to get that out of as well in 2017, it, it would have been a travesty if he didn't get one, a bit like the Mayo players in football. But look, he, he was a brilliant player and he will be sorely missed by Galway and the GA community because he was an absolute outstanding player. But the team that beat Galway, of course, last Saturday was, was Watford, of course. They are now playing Tipperary on Saturday, live on RT1 at half one, or RT2, should I say. So this this should be an absolute very interesting game. Like Tipperary coming back off a loss against Limerick. Limerick will be remembered for a sensational comeback at Parky Cueve. Waterford, they've tipped along in the summer. Like they were poured off against Clare, poured off against Leash, but they turned it on real style against Galway last Saturday. So how do you see this one going? Yeah, straight out. Like I watched the Limerick tip game and, you know, I was so impressed with Tipperary in that first half. And they just got blown out of the water. Not even in the second half, in the in the third quarter. It was it was so bad, it was kind of almost forgivable. And there's almost a template in that first half to drive on. So straight after the game, I'd have gone, right, Tipperary are the 100% the number two county to, to possibly get back and beat Limerick. And I, I think if they got to an All-Ireland final against, Tipperary, against Limerick, they would have a right chance of beating them. But the question is, and it was the same in football and with Dublin's other rivals, can they get to the final? And this is straight away, you know, one of two matches. The first match they've got to take on this Waterford team, which are an incredible informed team all of a sudden. Now, I know Galway have kind of been a bit of a disaster this year. If you look at it on paper, losing to Dublin and losing to Waterford in, in just the manner they lost as opposed to the actual results. 
And yeah, the, the all Iron, it reminded me of the all Iron final against Limerick they lost a couple of years ago where they were miles the worst team Galway and then somehow threw a couple of goals and Joe Canning basically drags them back into a game and Jesus, if it went on another few minutes, they could have won it. But that Waterford team, Liam Cahill, like he's doing a phenomenal job really, isn't he? He's just kind of quietly going about his business and they do have the kind of players and the legs to really give to a very good game here. Like I see the bookies have tip of slight favourites. Like I'd probably still lean towards them winning. You know, it's very hard for Waterford and it's like the third week out in the trot. Tipperary have had two weeks to prepare for this game, but yeah, like it, it's, it's set up nicely now. It's a bit of a weird time to have the game like Saturday afternoon, like very early, obviously to accommodate the Ulster final taking place later on. But yeah, I, I, I don't know how you see, see it going, but for me, it's, it's, I think I'd still give Tipperary the slight nod, mainly because I can see them being the, the only team potentially to take down Limerick but they've got to get there and they might not get there because I think that's this Waterford team would be right up for it. And they were very impressive in that first three quarters really against Galway. Absolutely. Yeah. If Waterford performed like they did in the first half, really for the full game, well, I think the second half they were largely hindered by that sending off as start of it with Connor Gleeson. But if they produce that form, it's hard to see pessimism as you look at, but even you look at the last five meetings between the sides, four temporary wins out of the last five championship meetings. And one of those, I think, was was a hammering 719 to 19 points in 2011. There was another one in 2016, 519 to 13, like hammerings. Like Tipperary are used to hammering this Waterford side. And the one game that wasn't a Tipperary win was a hugely controversial game. Obviously, Austin Gleeson, ten, uh, the referee thought he carried the ball over the line, but as we could all see, it wasn't over the line whatsoever. And I suppose that's that's a bit of something that Watford could get revenge there. Like, they should have won that game in 2018. Who knows, like, Watford could get the revenge uh, after all these years. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Jesus, it's mad the memories come back. You just name, you know, you remember where you were when that happened. Jesus, I'd almost forgotten about that Austin Gleeson thing. But yeah, Tipperary seemed to have Waterford's number. And I guess that incentive for to drive on Waterford, like, and I, it was very interesting to see how they'd get on. Like, you look on a lesser scale with Calvin and Tipperary and how they've fallen apart after good years in football. You kind of sort of had that vibe with Waterford that they definitely overachieved last year and they wouldn't quite follow it up. Whereas they've kind of, Proving that wrong, really, on the basis of that performance against Galway, the fact they're in an all iron hurling quarterfinal, and the fact they got to a final means whatever happens on Saturday, it's bonus territory. So they're kind of going into that with a bit of free reign. They're going into it as underdogs, despite the fact they would have won their last game and thought maybe rightly that they should be ahead. I do think Tipperary, again, based on that, we're basing both their t- both teams here on their first half performances. So it'll be very interesting to see how both teams get on after half time. But yeah, for me, I do think Tipperary have that little bit more about them that they can just about get over the line here but like, like I said for them Tipperary to win the All-Ireland this year they're going to have to be Waterford, Kilkenny and Limerick if I'm not mistaken which is you know a seriously tough stretch and it's not like any other year it's kind of condensed in a probably a four or five week period there so if Liam Sheedy's going to bring it back it's going to be his single bet best achievement as Tipperary manager in his second spell here I, I think they'll have enough they've had that extra week to prepare It'll be, I think it'll be a great game. It's going to be hopefully sunny. Parky Queeves, a great stadium now, and it's great seeing them getting games like this. Um, 
should be a good crowd there. Uh, and as we've seen, crowds in, in the matches are making a massive difference. Like the, the pressure poor uh, Sean Stack, the referee on Saturday, was, was under with those Waterford fans was quite quite something. But you do you do miss that and the Waterford fans will be right up for this. Um, so, but yeah, I, I just go Tipperary based on that. Uh, I do think, and I, I'm going to stick with it, I do think that Limerick and Tip in that Munster final, that's kind of the forum guide where I think they were a little bit ahead of the pack. And I, I just think, it, I think we could be looking at a tip Limerick All-Ireland final if they can get over the line here. But yeah, it's it's going to be a great game, I think. And that, who, it's what team can kind of follow that first half on and kind of see it through. It's very interesting. You mentioned with Watford as well. Like they came in, they're coming in obviously as underdogs in this game and arguably the last game they came in as underdogs as well. And in the semi-final against Kilkenny last year or so, you know what, Watford being the underdogs in a game like this, it is always dangerous. But as you say, Tip were unplayable at times in the first half against Nimerick. And maybe that is the level, I suppose. Kilkenny, I think, could be up there as well. Like they've averaged 231 in their two games so far. Like that's some scoring, well, arguably, I don't know, or is Leinster the the blueprint, if you if you want to call it that, you know, monster powering is probably where it is at at the moment. You look at Limerick, Tipperary, Cork could call it cause a few surprises at Watford. Obviously, Clare were lucky to go out. So, look, Watford being underdogs, that's a dangerous thing. But you're going for a tip win yourself. But yeah, yeah, I'd, just, I'd, I'd, just about. I'd I'd probably go for a tip win as well. But I wouldn't. I would be surprised if Watford win this game. Like, but the thing is, I think Watford need a good start. If they get mm. a good start like they did against Galway, it's going to be hard for Tip to chase them in many ways. And I think Tip, I know they have good players all over the pitch, but their squad is kind of aging, and that's kind of disappointed me with Tip over the last few weeks. They haven't blooded in the younger players despite their under twenty success. I think only Jake Morris has only been blooded in and. A few others like Andy Ormond and Owen Connolly haven't got their chances yet. So, and Watford do have young players in there, and Jamie Barron's back to full fitness as well. So, it should be a titanic battle. Yeah, and it, it's 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 funny like the Liam Sheedy factor. You can almost get caught up a small bit. Oh, it's Liam Sheedy's coming back for a second spell. He's definitely going to back up what he did in his first spell and definitely win an All Ireland at some point. And you can get down that road and never get out of it until Liam Sheedy's left the job, and you realize, you realize these these lads are only human at the end of the day. Like they still got they a manager. We sometimes over egg the emphasis on managers at the end of the day. It's up to the players and whether those players are good enough. But as I said, I, I am sticking with Tim mainly for that first half performance against, who, in my opinion, Limerick are like the best side of the last since since the Kilkenny five in a row team really like so. And they kind of I know Limerick got their act together, but I think Tip will learn a lot from that. The, something as simple as having a second or third game plan or just working on small little things. And, you know, it's a harder route. Obviously, the Munster, they would prefer to win Munster, absolutely, particularly considering how the draw might work out. But, you know, I I, I think Liam Sheedy would kind of, in the back of his mind, would have expected, or would have had a plan in place for when they did lose to Limerick because they went, went into that game as underdogs. And I do think they'll get over the line against Waterford. But yeah, what a game. And it's, it's brilliant, as I said. It starts like a super weekend at GA as well. Absolutely, yeah. We hope it'll be a good game anyway. There should be good weather on Saturday, given the weather over the last few weeks as well. Parky Queeve's a brilliant pitch to play on. Like, it's better than previous years. You even see last year, even in the winter, it wasn't cutting up as often. So, even Parky Queeve in summer, it's it's an absolutely brilliant pitch and it's close to Crow Park as you can get, really, all over the country. So, it should be an absolutely excellent game. But I would be the same as yourself. I'd probably go for a tip win just about, but... 
Watford could pull off surprise. We'll have to wait and see. But I suppose the other game, most people are actually writing this off as a one-sided game. It's between our two counties here, Cork and Dublin. Uh, Dublin haven't beaten Cork in the championship since 1927. Like Jeez. that's a long, long, long time, yeah. And even you look at over the last few meetings, I think the closest Dublin got was 2016, and Cork were struggling at that point. It was a three-point victory for Cork in the end last year. It was a six-point victory. Dublin seemed to be doing something right after do, doing so well against Kilkenny, doing so well against Leash. Cork struggled against Watford, and yes, Cork still won by six points. Can this Dublin team beat Cork finally after all this time? Well, like we were just talking before we came on air there, and it, the, the thing with Dublin is the thing that happens every year. You, you get one result that just keeps you coming for the following year almost, and it's just that inconsistency. And it's amazing in the GA down through the years across all codes and all teams that teams tend to live up to their stereotype a lot. Like you look at Mayo, like just can't get over the line. Um, and then Dublin have this inconsistency in them. Like, you no, know, after beating Galway, like was it two years ago, they end up losing to Leash is the prime example. And you could argue here, I know the COVID cases affected them, but um, I was, I was pretty disappointed with them against Kilkenny, like considering the team they had out and like nothing went right as, uh, but they were like level. And it just seemed when Dublin got level that, they decided they were like cheering that on and it was if this is great nine all I think it was and then they went in maybe 12-9 down at half time and Jesus Kilkenny came out the second half and blew them out of the water um it's hard to make them make a case for them here against Cork um I wasn't aware of the 1927 sad that's obviously not a great omen and Dublin have come across Cork a couple of times like I remember being at the 2011 was it 2011 or 20 2013 semi-final hurting semi-final and Patrick Horgan um, won that game for Cork like that that year, and they've had a couple of, you know, close, you know, going into the Cork game against a team, you know, Cork have always been consistent and against a weak in Cork and haven't quite got over the line. So, like again, Manny Kenny would have been building for this in All Ireland quarter final. Once they got over the line against Galway, they there would have been a kind of thought that you know we might lose this game against Kilkenny here. Let's have a kind of plan in place of how we're going to go about the quarterfinal. And that extra week's break, similar to Tip to Tipperary, might do them a world of good, but I do think Cork would be too strong. Like I, I was impressed with the standard of the Clare game. I thought it was a really, really good game. And it kind of just kind of kept getting better and better as the game went on. And I thought Cork did well to see that out uh, against the, like the likes of Tony Kelly were on fire. So I do think Cork would be too strong. I, one thing I did want to say is that, and you're obviously a, a Cork man, the Cork... Uh, Hurling team, is, this is now the sixth championship game in a row that's going to be on Sky Sports, which is a bit of a, you know, it's not really fair on any county, one county. And I, I think the GA should have had something in place to stop that happening where, like, I'm not necessarily against the Sky Sports idea, but the fact is that not many people can watch it. And even in a pandemic that it's restricted crowds, the fact that Cork are, are, haven't had a, a live game since the 2019 All-Iron Hurling quarterfinal. And the, the, the also the fact that in the contract, the All-Iron Hurling quarterfinals were meant to be ring fence as RTEs, but because the football changed format and they lost a couple of football Super 8 games that they changed it around. So this this game is now on Sky, which is, is disappointing. Like it was seven o'clock Saturday RTE, there'd be a lot more people watching the Sky. I think it's a footnote in the game that needs to be said because I think it's a very unfair on Cork, uh, rural, a lot of places in rural Cork and a lot of older people in rural Cork that might not be able to watch the game. But in terms of how it's going to go, I do think Cork could be too strong uh, against Dublin. Although you can never rule out the dull hurlers, like <laughs> and particularly that bandwagon gets going. Absolutely. And even at Sky um, conversation, I actually listened to that on Tackley Sport. It was very interesting. You mentioned that, like, 
Yeah, Cork G has been screwed over by the G in recent years in both hurling and football. Like I could remember one year, 2013, like Cork were playing Dublin coincidentally as well. The game was at seven o'clock in Crow Park and Cork fans were asked to go up. Tyrone Monaghan was on beforehand. Like it's easier for Tyrone and Monaghan to go home. The Cork fans, especially in West Cork, it's very hard to get home. Like I was... I was going home from that game and we got home for what, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Like it was very, it was very bad form indeed. But even you mentioned the Sky deal. Like I feel sorry for the people that can't get tickets. Like that's very, that's very um, regular right now. Like the elderly population in Cork, like they can't get Sky, they can't even get Wi-Fi or anything. So it's, it's going to be very hard. They'd have to listen to it on the radio, which is, which is not the same really. And it's, it's kind of a joke in many ways, but as you say, this game should be interesting enough. Like Dublin, they were poor enough against Kilkenny. You mentioned the COVID cases, but them players are now back. Ronan Hayes, who was instrumental against Galway, is now back in the team. For example, Keno Callaghan at cornerback, Oshino Rourke and Fergal Whiteley, who could add something extra dynamic coming off the bench. So having them players back must be a boost for Dublin, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. And like, as I said, Dublin were just lacking that strength and depth. And like the Dublin hurlers, like they don't have the squad that even a Cork would have or stronger counties do based on the fact that a lot of our best hurlers are playing for the footballers and chasing all Ireland's and fair play to them. Good luck to them. But like, obviously, like the best hurler in Dublin is Conor Callan. He's playing a uh, starring role for the footballers. And that kind of leads to a lack of strength and depth of proper ready-made um, hurlers in Dublin in, in on the bench. So the fact that they can get lads back suggests that like they could put it up to Cork and, and as I said I do really rate Matty Kenny as a, as a manager and I do think he'll get the dubs right eventually I just don't see it happening for another couple of years and it's whether he sticks it out for that long because the job he did at Kula like I'm actually very close to Kula here um, uh, just one of the rival clubs but I, I would know a lot of people involved on that team and in that club and the, 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 Matty Kenny has laid down the foundations for that core, for that Kula team to be now the best hurling team in uh, not just Dublin or Leinster but probably Ireland or up there and the, I think he can continue that on into Intercounty with Dublin like it's definitely a tougher job probably in the long run but there is definitely talent in Dublin hurling circles like I, I do with a referee and so I would ref a lot of the, the hurling games and even going watching a few of the senior hurling games and there's definitely the hurlers there it's whether they can get the right foundations of place at senior level and bring that down and underage um to to bring that but in terms of the game like yes it's in Semple Stadium like Dublin have kind of lost a few quarterfinals from memory in Semple Stadium down through the years in Thurdus so yeah I'm a bit kind of apprehensive about how it goes but like if, if they get off to a good start like you, you've probably got one of the best goalkeepers in the, the country in Anthony Nolan and he can just puck a ball over from anywhere and that's in Crow Park so when he gets in Thurless now he can get dialed in so and he's keeping a really good goalkeeper in Sean Brennan out as well which just shows you again there is hurdles coming through so uh, yeah I, I still lean towards Cork like I do think the likes of you know obviously say with Patrick Horgan Dublin don't have a Patrick Horgan and until they get a Patrick Horgan or a star man like they do have like Sutcliffe there's a lot of good lads chipping in with points but there's no one scoring the 15 points a game and 10 from freeze in Dublin it just doesn't hasn't happened we haven't really had that like Colin Keeney is probably the best and he wasn't that kind of player so I think that's just the, the difference in the big games and you saw that against Clare the way Cork could just keep the scoreboard ticking over whereas I don't think Dublin have that uh, strength and depth although like they, they do have good hurdles coming through it's just probably not enough at this stage to go out and beat Cork in the quarter quarterfinal 
Yeah, I, I'd probably go for Corkman as well. But uh, you mentioned Conor Callaghan not playing. Lee Gannon's mm. another example. Like you look at him in the under twenties, he's excelling massively in that in that under twenty team. They played Cork recently, but even him, I don't know, will he switch to football? He's been uh, rated as the new Jack McCaffrey in many ways. So it's a look. The Dublin young players would probably go for football. The way things are going, the same with Cork as well. Like. In my opinion, the best footballer in Cork is playing hurling in Damien Cahalan. So, look, it, it's it's very hard as well. And, yeah, Dublin, they probably don't have the strength to get... I suppose Chris Crummy's a decent player, Danny Sutcliffe. Mm. But Danny Sutcliffe, for example, he scored eight points in the championship back to date. Like, that's an absolutely brilliant uh, tally to have. But, look, I think Cork... I think with Cork, over the last few games, I've noticed something about us were much more ruthless in front of goal. Like, in the past, Cork would pop over something like 40 points and something like one goal, no goal, whatever. But this year, we have goal-getters all over the team, like Jack O'Connor, Shane Barris. Like, for instance, the third goal epitomises that in many ways. Like, Seamus Hardley could easily have just popped the ball over, but no, he went for the kill. He passed it into Shane Barrett, the ball's at the back of the net, and there was no re- way really back for Clare after that point. Um. I suppose that that probably be the fear for Dublin, the fact that Cork are getting so many goals over the last few games. Yeah, and like as as, as we were saying, like the scoring power that Cork have, just like you're right, the like the likes of Sutcliffe so and Crummy, like they're they're brilliant, and they're probably two of the the six Dublin four the forwards that Dublin could build their team around. They just need to get you know three similar players, and then that star man. I don't know where he's going to come from, but maybe we can get comeback from the footballers. Uh, it's interesting point. Like even you think. High level or over the last couple of years, like Jeremy Connolly, for example, was a really good hurler. Um, and you think after he retired from the footballers, so, you know, was there any motivation in him? He's obviously just sick of the the amount of work because it's obviously there's just as much work with the herders as well. And I guess that that Dublin will always have that problem. And I guess Cork, like I used to spend a lot of time in Cork um, when I was a kid, and in East Cork particularly, and it was just Jesus, they had no interest in football there. Like <laughs> you're compared to hurling, they had interest in football when they got to an All Ireland final, but they had interest in hurling and club hurling games and Munster first rounds and National League games. And the Cork hurling bandwagon, when it gets going, it's amazing. Like the crowds they get in Crow Park for an All Ireland semi final and quarterfinals as well. So. And it's the same with Dublin, the football. Like it's just the way counties are, and it's just uh, it's just the way it is, I guess. And I do think Cork have that scoring power, and they've kind of seen to add it a lot more of those forwards, like you mentioned, that can kind of take the pressure off Patrick Horgan, who um, for so long, even like those matches you mentioned, if they're scoring thirty points, Patrick Horgan scoring twenty of them, whereas uh, there now seems to be a big spread of scores and that ability to score goals. I don't think Dublin quite have it as well as um, like they got a couple of good goals against Galway, but they were well worked. It was almost like, but geez, I don't know if they'd be able to pull that off again against a better defense, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I'm sticking with Cork, but uh, hoping to be wrong, obviously for a double sensational Dublin win and give Limerick a soft, uh, soft passage to an all Ireland final then probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, like um, to be honest, I, I'd probably go for a Cork win just about as well. I think Dublin will actually put up a better performance than people think. I think, you know, them players coming back, Ronan Hayes, Keen O'Callaghan, Oshino Roker, I think is a brilliant player. Fergal Whiteley especially has a goal in him, I would have thought as well. So, look, I think having them players back would be crucial for you, but I just think Cork might just have enough. And having said, if Dublin beat Cork, I the uproar in the county afterwards, yeah. especially after the football last week, I think it would be, it wouldn't <laughs> be pretty whatsoever, but... Look. Yeah, it won't matter how well Dublin play. It'll be Dublin beat Cork, and that's the end of it. But uh, yeah, last thing, I, I guess they have that template 
that they beat Galway with that if they can bring that sort of level of performance and like you said the COVID lads back it's uh, yeah I'm hoping it'll be a good game I can see it being a really good game you're just thinking of the last 10 minutes if it's level Cork are probably going to get over the line particularly at the bench but um, yeah looking forward to it anyway Definitely looking forward to it, yeah. And the bench, as you say, like Cork didn't have that over the years. You know, Patrick Horgan was relied upon. But now you look at the talent coming off that bench and maybe does it all earn it than Cork? We'll have to wait and see. Like mm-hmm. I've got, I've um, been talking to a Limerick fan recently and he said the one team that I fear coming down the line is actually Cork. I was surprised to hear that myself. Mm-hmm. But just the power that Cork have, Cork would be hurting after the Munster semi-final and there's a chance we play Limerick if Tipperary win, of course, against Watford and I don't know, like Cork, there's that feeling about Kilkenny in 2019, Limerick were going in as raging hot favourites and Kilkenny blew them out of the water in the first half. Maybe that's the same feeling with Cork, maybe that's just me being biased but a lot of people are saying is Cork, Watford coming down the track could be dark horses. Like it's an interesting toss. Look at them qualifier teams coming down the track to pose a threat to the likes of Kilkenny and Limerick. Yeah, you're doing what everyone does and gets carried away. And next thing, Dublin will beach is like if uh, Cork like, again, maybe like the very point I made earlier. Maybe Cork are the team to beat Limerick, but can they get there? Do you know, what I mean? that's yeah. like that's half the battle with a lot of these teams. I, I actually kind of like that uh, comparison with the Kilkenny Limerick. Like, I I was I don't think I've been as shocked as a result for a while than when Limerick lost to Kilkenny. Definitely had Limerick on the handicap minus whatever it was. So shocked, absolutely shocked they, they got beat. Um, but it just shows you these teams are beatable. And like you said, the fact of Limerick fan, and sometimes that tells you more than anything when uh, someone from that county is picking out their, their rivals. But yeah, I'm hoping Dublin can put it up to Cork that we avoid that situation. But uh, I definitely think Cork are obviously, it's an obvious thing to say, but obviously better equipped to take on Limerick right now than uh, Dublin. That, I think that goes without saying, regardless of what happens on Saturday. Absolutely, and and I suppose another interesting point. You say Matty Kinney's doing an excellent job. Like I was on GF on TV podcast recently. We were talking about Davy Fitz, about Wexford. Will he leave, and where could he go? Now I suggested. I don't know. Would you be a fan of this yourself, Daniel? But Davy Fitz could go to Dublin. I know Matt Matty Kinney's done an absolutely brilliant job. He did a brilliant job at Cool and deserves all the respect he can get. But would you be a fan of Davy Fitz coming to Dublin to try and win an Insta title? Maybe even in Ireland, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, I, I want to say, firstly, I love Davy Fitz. Uh, like, as a GA fan, just absolutely love him. I think the, the Hurling Championship is a, it's a lesser place without him. Um, I don't personally think he'll be a fit with Dublin. It reminds me of the Mick O'Dwyer Dublin rumours years and years ago. And they gathered a bit of legs one January. And to be honest, at that stage... My young self was definitely in favour of getting somebody in like Mick O'Dwyer. And I think if we had done that, uh, like even though it was a good few years before Gilroy came in, I just think it would have set it back a few more years. I do think Matty Kenny or a similar profile to Matty Kenny, not too dissimilar to maybe Gilroy who had to leave um, before um, that. I, th- I think that's the high profile manager, but not not like, like Matty Kenny's a high profile manager, but he's also got the experience in Dublin GA circles as well and he knows what's required at the big stage For, to me Davy Fitz is too much of a short term solution that I don't think you're guaranteed to get those that all learning with Davy Fitz not with Dublin anyway or even a Leinster like I do personally think he did a really good job of Wexford but you have to look at that they never beat I don't think he beat a Munster team in the championship in the four five years now he's been Wexford manager which is a crazy stat I couldn't believe it but it's, it just shows you that he did great 
form with Kakeni and he got that Leinster in 2019, wasn't it? That obviously, and they obviously, you know, it was amazing. But for me, I just don't think he's the right man in that in a Dublin hurling job, to be honest with you. Um, although saying all that would be a great content if he, if he did get it and the, the endless, like, uh, like the endless supply of content we'd have. Like, there's only three uh, Irish sports people that have written two uh, autobiographies and that's Ronan O'Gara, Roy Keane and Davy Fitzgerald. And I think that just about says it all really, like how incredibly uh, a big name he is, you know, and how in, in GA circles, he's possibly the biggest in hurling anyway. Absolutely, and he's a madman as well. We'll have to see if he goes to Dublin, maybe even Galway. We'll have to see. Galway was another Galway. one coming up. I think Galway's the job for him. I think that's the... I know I, I'm getting Gerlach Nan Galway vibes off David <laughs> Galway, but we'll see. Oh. You can't manage everyone. See, this is... this is You can't, like... This doesn't happen in GA, And, it, like, he can't be like Big Sam going into every job and getting lads a uh, provisional title and then kind of making a mess of it then towards the end and going off and hating everyone. But... uh yeah, no, it'd be interesting his next job if there is a next job because you couldn't rule out nobody uh, or him like stepping away from it as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned Big Sam. I was seeing comparisons during last week or the week before of Davy Fitz to Jose Mourinho where he loses That's the dressing better room. better comparison. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> far better, far better. I think Jose Mourinho hits the nail on the head. That's exactly who he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it probably is. You see what goes on with Wexford, but I suppose it's a conversation for another day, like Wexford. Well, and and the, style, the style of play as well, like particularly oh, when yeah. you first started with Wexford, the sweepers and the hand passing and if Davey Fitz did anything, it was scrutinised. I think the same with Jose. But um, same with Jose, there was always the element of truth in it as well, which I think hurt the most. But yeah, we'll, we'll get out down this out of this rabbit hole now before it's too late. But yeah, I think Jose, he is the Jose, the GA, like, to be fair. Probably he's the Jose the G. I think everybody would agree with that. And it's it's great entertainment for anybody in GA circles. But I suppose we'll leave hurling there. Look at uh, football. Well, the first provincial final. Most people have built this up as the most competitive provincial final out of the four. And considering what happened last week, that's even more uh, prominent discussion. It's Monaghan against Tyrone. You look at Monaghan's form coming into the game. They've scored a lot of scores, like that game against Armagh scoring four goals in the first half even and Tyrone they're going along nicely enough like against Cavan Donegal they just got over the line the league they struggled but Brian Dewar Fergal Logan seem to be getting their ideas in place like this should be an interesting game on Saturday yeah I'm really looking forward to this game like going into the two semi-finals I personally would have thought Armagh before the games Armagh and Donegal and to be honest with you during the games like if we take the if you take the Armagh Monning game first, I don't think I've ever seen a game like it. I don't know where to start with it. Only to say that if Armagh had just been a little more cute or had that little bit more experience in terms of you know being rootless with their subs, maybe and making a change after ten minutes to concede two goals in that first half and not you know three or four. I can't remember if the four goal came in the first half or the second half. But the, the point being is like I do think Armagh probably edged it in terms of a better team at that time. Just Monning had that bit of experience and. The Donegal Tyrone game, while Tyrone were impressive in the second half, I did feel that Donegal left it after them. And take it as simply as Michael Murphy scores that penalty, they go five up, and there's not a chance, I think, that um, they let Tyrone back into the game. So I think it was two missed opportunities for Armand and Donegal. Miss, big missed opportunity for Armand because I don't think they'll get a better chance with the Ulster teams the way they are, of, you know, not only getting to an Ulster final, but winning it. So big regrets there. And I do think it's important to mention that before talking about the two teams. But 
in terms of like a lot of people are it's a modern or sorry tyrone are becoming the don't forget about tyrone kind of team this year you know with an all-ireland talk and there always seems to be a team every year and it's usually actually Donegal or Tyrone that everyone's like don't forget about them and it seems they're being tipped up everywhere as potentially upsetting the odds against Kerry or you know don't you know Tyrone would always do well against uh, Kerry where I think Monin have a really really good chance here at upsetting the odds in in the Ulster final like I, I was what I did think like I said Armagh were better on the day like Monin were at times impressive and the way they dug that out with, with Connor McManus and you know, a lot of people are saying that like, they're still heavily reliant on Conor McManus, but like for large spells of that game, it was the likes of Jack McCarron, you know, carrying the score. And I know Desi Ward popped up with a couple of scores. It, it seems to be a lot more, not too dissimilar to the Pat Horgan situation where he's still the main man. And to be honest, he'd be the main man in, in nearly every county. I, I mean, I'd include Kerry in Dublin that like he'd 100% be one of their main men. But then now they're starting to get a few more scores from other areas of the pitch. And You've got someone like Rory Began that's able to kick the, the long scores. And I do think that Monaghan can really put it up to this Tyrone team. Like I think people get like, people get a little bit ahead of themselves with Tyrone every year. And I haven't really been setting them since the day they turned up to the All Iron semi-final in 2017 and got beaten after one minute with that goal. I've just never been I've never really warmed them as much as other people have in terms of like they they do have the talent, absolutely, but like you know, they could look at them pound for pound, say against Mayo, for example, and you'd say Tyrone definitely have the better forwards than Mayo on paper. But Mayo produce every year. That's the difference. And they managed to get to these All-Ireland semifinals and finals, whereas Tyrone, I feel... And we thought that was a Mickey Mar- or Mickey Hart sorry, issue, and it might well be, but it's probably a year too soon for the management team this year in terms of year one to get themselves as serious All-Ireland contenders. It's doubtful. Like, I could see them obviously winning on uh, if they do have Boy Man and putting it up to Kerry, but I don't think that there's an All-Ireland in this team yet, which is why I think they really should focus on get this Ulster final over line because this Monin team, it's been on the road for a long time, but it's always, again, not too dissimilar to Mayo. They've always kind of kept enough kind of squad rotation to kind of get a few names in. And I think the having Jack McCarron in a couple of years ago or getting him in has kind of helped Conor McManus shine. So really looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, and like you said, it is the most competitive uh, provisional final. So I'm, I am expecting a really close game and, for that reason, you, you got to really go with the underdogs if you're having a look at who you might think might win or just think, go for a bit of a punt. And I think Monin could do it on on Saturday. It was on Saturday at four o'clock. So, and the, the Crow Park factor would be very interesting how that goes because I know Turnham probably have a better record than Monin in Crow Park, I guess, overall, just from memory there as opposed to stats. But I do think um, this Monin team could be potentially suited to the spaces of Crow Park. Just look at what they did against Armagh. Absolutely, and you mentioned the Armagh defence, it was open and you look at the four goals that Monaghan scored, they just exploited them each and every time and even look at Monaghan, you compare them a bit to Cork with uh, Hoggy and Conor McManus, I would probably be the same, you look at Monaghan all over the field, you, know, you look, have Aaron Mulligan centre forward, Jack McCarron is performing very well this year, Desi Ward is contributing very well, the midfielders, Darren Hughes is improving game on game as well, so... Yeah. Look, this Monaghan team is not going away and we would have thought that Fermanagh might have been a banana skin for them considering the last few years they lost to Cavan twice, they lost to Fermanagh, they lost to Down, and you just wonder, will this Monaghan team lose again? They didn't, they got over that and since then they've gotten a roller coaster. but as you say, Tyrone, Crow Park record, especially against Monaghan, they've won the last three in Crow Park. One of them being the controversial Sean Cavan incident, another controversial Tierna McCann incident. And 2018, no controversy, yeah. but it was an all-Ireland semi-final and Tyrone got over the line. But 
Look at the last five meetings. Monaghan have actually won two of them. One of them, Conor McManus, inspired victory in the Ulster Championship in 2014 as well. But Tyrone seemed to be going back then. They lost Armagh, the qualifiers that year. So, look, I think Tyrone have the edge over the Monaghan team over the last few years, especially in Crow Park. But, as I said, this should be an interesting game. Look at Monaghan's talent coming through. But look at Tyrone's talent all over the field. You'd won, well, you mentioned this, Tyrone on paper would be better than Mayo. They'd probably be slightly better than Kerry, especially their defensive players, in my opinion. I think Kerry are vulnerable enough. But then Tyrone, they, they don't seem to turn it on, especially this year. Like, he gets Kerry like a hammer to the league. Like, I didn't expect that whatsoever. Look, it's it's going to be a tough game to call, but I wouldn't be surprised if Monaghan put it off. You're going for Monaghan win, I suppose, but... Uh, why would you go for a Monaghan win? Would you stick by the reasons for Tyrone that they won't turn up in a big game like this? Yeah, I, I like, I, and I'm, I'm kind of like the, the, I think the hurting league you can forget about, but the football league form has kind of been franked a small bit, I guess, in terms of like it was so close to the championship, and because of the championship knockout, a lot of teams were going for it. So you don't lose by to carry by that much. That's close to the championship, in my opinion, and I just don't think like. Uh, Watching that Donegal Tyrone game, I did think the turning point was the 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 red card for Michael Murphy. Um, rightly or wrongly, it, it was the turning point, and I, I definitely think if my or even if he scored that penalty, they go five points up. Like it was a you know fifty fifty game, so to be five points up in a fifty fifty game, I do think Donegal see it out. The fact they were down to fourteen men for long periods, and yeah, Tyrone were impressive towards the end. I just I just I don't know they they turn up when they suit it they suits them. They kind of turn up sometimes. And they'll, they'll blow a qualifier team out of the water just going back a couple of years now. And you look at their forwards. But again, I just can't get the the big games out of my head in terms of the big games against Dublin. Um, they didn't turn, you know, they didn't just have it like, and I, I just don't think they're ready yet. Is there an All-Ireland team in Tyrone in the, over the next five years? I, I think absolutely, 100%, particularly if the management team have two or three years. But in a pandemic world, they've only had, you know, less than a year to with this team uh, since Mickey Hart. And I just don't think that's enough time for them to really stamp their authority on Tyrone. I think you need a full league campaign. I think you need, um, you know, have a style of play and kind of work back from there. And the fact is it's kind of all been happening a bit too quick. You know, Colin McShane's had the injury. I think you need to have him playing all the time so you can learn and build a team around them. So uh, yeah, on paper, they're a phenomenal team on paper. They've made no mistake about it. They're a better team than Monin on paper. I just think this Monin team under Banty as well. I know I said, don't over egg the manager factor, but I'll do it again. The Banty factor, I do think he'll have uh, something up his sleeve in terms of um, how he's going to take down Tyrone. And I just think uh, there's a lot of elements. The fact they're underdogs, the fact a lot of people, and I mean, a lot of people are talking about Tyrone as all Ireland contenders to be Kerry. And I, I don't know. I just have a funny feeling they might not even get over the line on, on Saturday. I, I do think it's a 50-50 game and Monin, I think, are available like two to one. And I just think that's probably too big for a price for Monin, like given the way they way they got over the line against Armagh. I know Armagh were spent, but the way that Tyrone are kind of overrated at times, basing their team on paper and not what they produced on the pitch, at least against Donegal when it was 15 on 15. Yeah, and see, you look at Monaghan's players all over the field. Like, I think they're coming up to play more so this year, and that'll give it the edge for victory, I would think, in this game, as you say. But look at Tyrone's talent. Like, even the players, the fringe players from last year, that you would have thought would be in the 15 and have got into the 15 this year. A prime example would be Doyle Slotton, in my opinion. I think mm. he's excelled this year very well. And 
you look at him last year, he was fired off of the team. And even you look, Paul Donaghy didn't come on the last day and he was excelling somewhat in the league. Derek Hanavan, I don't think, was even in the squad. I don't know if I'm wrong, wrong about that in many ways, but Peter Hart is doing well at the moment. You look at Colin McShane coming back from injury. Conor McKenna came on the last day, showed a bit of form, but I suppose the game was over in many ways after Michael Murphy got sent off. So you, you look at that throwing talent, you think, well, you would say this, you said yourself there's a dollar in the, the next five years, but you would think that now they can challenge even at least a Kerry, never mind a Dublin, but at least a Kerry whose defence historically is fragile. They they showed in the first quarter the last last Sunday against Cork with Brian Hurley, Steve rolled roll through and finished it to the back of the net. Like you look at them throwing forwards. Now this is beyond the Monaghan game. That's if they win, mm. but you look at them forwards and you think they have to challenge Kerry. You would think they challenge Kerry, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, one thing, do you think, is Kyle McShane, do you reckon they'll start him or do you reckon they'll keep him in reserve against Monaghan? It's a tough one because I think he's recovering from injury a small mm-hmm. bit, but he seemed to be honest when he came on against Donegal the last day. So you never know. He might be a late switch. They might put out a dummy team yeah. and, you know, Monaghan won't be ready for him. Maybe Tyrone could do that. Tyrone are, you know, sneaky that way. So we'll, we'll have to see, but... I, I think he actually could start against Monaghan, which could turn the tide, definitely. I think they might keep him in reserve. And if, mm-hmm. if they do do that, I think that is definitely looking at an All-Ireland, which, you know, I wouldn't be against that. You know, if that is your aim, you know, and Comic Shane isn't 100%, it's probably the right decision. I'm just saying, if, if he doesn't start, it kind of brings that vibe to it. And I don't know, there just seems to be a lot of that. A lot of Tyrone have already won this game. You know, like Dublin have already beaten Kildare because they're like, you know, odds, odds on. You know, that's highly likely to happen. Whereas this is a lot more closer. But yeah, like I, I can't, I, like I can't argue. Like I'm nothing against Tyrone and like the players they have. Like you mentioned, Sloan's been phenomenal this year. Peter Hart's always played well, like isn't he? And he's just always popping up with a couple of scores. And yeah, they, they, you know, they have that experience, that blend of experience, like the likes of Peter Hart and that youth as well. And it's just a case of putting it all together on a big day. And I don't necessarily think Monin is the day for Tyrone, but the fact is I, I just, I have a funny feeling that Mon could really put it up to them. And I, yeah, I, it'd be very interesting on that Kyle McShane thing, whether he starts or not. I think it was 10 minutes he got. Um, and I agree with you. He actually looked pretty good and pretty well. And it's whether they mind him. Like you don't want to do a Michael Murphy on it and really kind of just mess it up. I think Donegal on a side note made an absolute mess of that situation. And it's, yeah, they kind of maybe got punished for not looking too, too long term whereas Tyrone here yeah it'll be interesting how they do but yeah I just think you know Banty against this the management team Tyrone that it's just a little bit more experienced and I think that can just get them over the line but like Tyrone are favourites and yeah if they do get through I I, I kind of see where you're coming from in terms of exposing those Kerry full back line and Brian Hurley did kind of give, give a proper roasting in that first quarter but I just I can. I think Dublin and Kerry are a level above, and maybe Tyrone are in that third bracket along with Mayo. But I, at the start of the year, I always thought Dublin and Kerry would get to the All Ireland final, and I still think that's the case. But I, I'd agree that Tyrone would be better equipped than Monaghan to beat uh, Kerry, absolutely. But it's whether they can get by Monaghan, which is it's a common team in the GA. That's probably not stated enough that there's so many teams like like Mayo that could play Dublin no matter how bad Mayo are all year they can give Dublin a game and yet in the same year they can beat Derry in, in Castlebar after extra time 
and Derry should have won that game and then Armagh should have beaten them one year and then they put it up to Dublin. It's that kind of vibe. So you have to go out and win your games like Kerry last year, obviously losing to Cork. So Tyrone have to get over the line against Monaghan. It's in Crow Park. It's a little bit of a different feel to it and I can really see Monaghan putting up to them. But I'm really looking forward to the game and I, there's no game I'm not looking forward to this week for various reasons and for this one I think it's because it's going to be the tightest and the toughest one to call and will Carl McShane start I think that should be the the main talking point going into it and if he's on the bench how long is it if it's level 20 minutes ago do you ring him on or do you wait five minutes or yeah it'll be interesting why but if you push me for prediction it's going to be Monaghan by the bare minimum one point after extra time Oh, you're you're going big. You're going. Yeah, big. No, no, I'd, I'd slate Tyrone, but I think they're still right in this game. So maybe after extra time or something. Yeah, you're going for a big game there, but yeah, I I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game, a very close game indeed. Um, I just think Tyrone will pip it in Crow Park, but you see with Monaghan over the last few weeks, like against Armagh, you would have thought they'd lie down in the last few minutes, but they mm. came back into that game. I don't know, is that down to Banty driving them on or? Something like condolences to the, the Duffy fan family, but Monaghan seemed to, you know, they were determined to win for him against Armagh. I don't know, are they determined to win an Ulster title for him as well? I, I don't know, would that be an interesting topic as well? Yeah, you, you don't know. Like, it's obviously, it was a tough week for the Monaghan players. And because that um, passing happened so close to the game, it was nearly, you know, the the fact they had that game so soon if it was maybe the you know two days after they probably hadn't a lot of those young lads having the chance to properly process the news so I guess in terms of the grieving process it might have helped a small bit um that can you get that can definitely drive on a team and obviously it's a seriously sad situation and there's been some um great tributes for Ogie over the over social media which is brilliant and he, he won't be forgotten which is um yeah and no, no, it's obviously a dreadful situation in terms of Monon themselves like they, they did seem to have that bit of um, it might have driven them on a small bit I was also impressed with the way they the game was there and, they, and this is how they ultimately won the game the game was there Mon had a chance easy points on and they said we're going to go for goal here and just thinking back to that Kerry Lee game in Tyrone I can just see Monin getting a goal or maybe a couple of goals against this Tyrone defence and that could that could maybe throw them over the line. So you could you could get a score line of something like Monin two or three, twelve or thirteen against a, a one sixteen or seventeen. That kind of vibe to it. So I think that Monin um rootlessness in front of goal, like it's it's not an easy thing. And it, it Armagh outscored Monin, but the fact though they managed to the goal chance was on and they took it. Not every team has that. Um Dublin have it, Kerry have it, and it's seen Monin have it. So and, and even if you look at the final score against Donegal, Tyrone didn't score any goals, 23 points. And I think they, that might be a, a narrative going into this game that Monaghan will probably score less than, than Tyrone, but they can, like Conor, Conor McManus didn't even get a goal against um, Armagh. Do you know what I mean? And the fact they kept him quiet and they still managed to score four goals. What happens if they keep the, the other lads quiet and McManus gets up with that goal? So there's that bit of rootlessness in front of goal, I think is why Monaghan might just get over the line here. Yeah, I suppose you had the same situation with Carl Kerry last week with David Clifford. You kept him quiet. But yeah. then you look at the other forwards, they'll nip in. And you look at Monaghan's forwards this year in particular, Jack McCarron, Desi Ward. You have Kieran Hughes to come off the bench as well. You have, uh, what's his name, Aaron Mulligan as well up front. So, geez, th- this will be a very tough game. I Age Tyrone, you'd age Monaghan after extra time. I'd, I'd be pretty similar, but I just think Tyrone, it'll be a point either way. 
But I just mm. think Tyrone have enough in Crow Park just to get over the Spanish team. And I hope it'll be a good game. I hope definitely it'll be a good game. But I suppose the next the next provincial final, big some people, big game. <laughs> I suppose the next next game. Look, uh, some people are calling us a bit of a a dead rubber. Many ways, Dublin are going to route through. But look at the last few performances, especially against Wexford and Meath. Some Kildare fans are gaining a bit of confidence going into this game. But as a Dublin fan yourself, Daniel, are you scared? I'm scared of the, this year and how atrocious Dublin have been in two games compared to the high standards that they've had all throughout. Like if it was a case that Dublin, the odd time, threw in a seven-point win over Wicklow in 2018, for example, or if there was even just one, I don't know, eight-point victory against Meath in a round two, or just something there that I said, okay, it's just they eased off or whatever. The fact is, this is as pretty much unprecedented since they went on the run of winning all Ireland's and Leinster's uh, probably since 2011. Um, I know they had a, that 2011, the semi-final, they won with a uh, really soft free against Bernard Brogan. And I'd say since then, there hasn't been a closer game than that one point for the dubs. So yeah, I, I would be worried because the Wexford, like I wasn't watching the Wexford game. I was watching whatever game was on the telly. I can't remember on the weekend and I just genuinely thought the app I was using just wasn't refreshing the score. I just couldn't believe it. I don't know, it was a 3-2 after a few minutes. It was just mad stuff. The same thing with Mead. And uh, I was watching the Monster Herd and final again because I thought Dublin would get their act together. And I, I ended up kind of just being on Twitter all the time watching the, the score come in from Dublin Mead. So I have to qualify saying I haven't watched the 70 minutes back. I've just seen the highlights package. But like Mead were denied a stonewall penalty. And Dublin go up the end and score. So that's that six-point swing. So Dublin get a six-point swing, get into this unassailable lead, it seems. And for some reason, just decide not to turn up after half time. And with like three minutes to go, me, they're within three points. And Dublin are, have to go full. We're against Kerry here or against Mayo. How do we see games out? And in fairness, they managed to pull that off. So I'm not worried about Dublin losing on um, Sunday. But I am worried going forward, maybe that Mayo game. But I do think Calera probably the wrong... I was saying this uh, on my own podcast, they're probably just the wrong opposition at the right time. And I think if this was, I know they've already played Mead, but if Mead had a chance for somehow to just have another crack at them in a Leinster final, I think you'd be seeing, you'd getting really excited. But the fact it's Kildare, I know they beat them in the league, but I just think Kildare aren't quite there yet under Jack O'Connor. And they, they, they were good in the way they saw out the victory against West Mead. But you don't know how good a standard that win was, and they they kind of limped over the line at times against Offaly before pulling away. So, uh, yeah, it's the right team, it's the wrong team at the right time. I think Dublin will get through the game, but I'm very interested to see how they turn up and if there's a bit of, you know, cop on. But like, if if Kildare can stay in the game, if Kildare stayed with Dublin after 20 minutes in 2018, it wouldn't made a blind bit of difference to the full time score. Whereas I think this time it might just keep creep one or two doubts in absolutely, and you know, like. The Kildare forward line, like the, the they've they've got the firepower there. It's just if they can just isolate them against Dublin defenders and really give uh, Dublin a go. But um, yeah, for me, I think Dublin will get over the line here, and it'll be really can they get over the line against Mayo to get Kerry in a final? So, but uh, looking forward to the game. I haven't looked forward to a Leinster final like this in a while, and uh, yeah, can Dublin respond because the the work coming out of the camp isn't good. Yeah, it's very strange what's happening to Dublin already this year. I can't really put my finger on it for whatsoever. And Kildare haven't beaten Dublin in the championship since 2000. Like, I was chatting to Johnny Doyle on the podcast, so I think it was way before the championship anyway. Even he was saying it was a bit frustrated that Kildare haven't won a Leinster title since 2000. Like, mm. you know, it's 
it's a long time and I suppose that could provide the fire the belly for the Kildare lads in many ways but I suppose you do have to be realistic but then again this is going to be an interesting staff you know in the last two games Dublin have averaged 116 last two games for Kildare they've averaged 215 so the average is Kildare would win this game I I don't know I don't know, would that be interesting to you? Do you look at Kildare's opponents awfully in Westmead, who did well enough in the league? Like, Westmead were lucky against Mead. They only lost by a point. Dublin played Mead. And it's, sorry, like Wexford, they lost to Waterford and Carlo in Division 4. So, look, looking at that stats, it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I, I can see, like, um, from memory, is the handicap 9 or 10? Whatever the handicap is, uh, I, I'd probably go towards Kildare because I do think they'll keep it closer like, but I do think Dublin, I think that it wouldn't be too dissimilar to how they finish the game against Mead, maybe, if it is a close game. Like, you got to remember, like, fair enough, I think it'll be a close game, but for Kildare actually to win the game, they've got to withstand Dublin and hold on to the ball for five minutes if they want to. Do you know what I mean? And mm. Dublin just have that experience in their locker that no matter how bad the game's going, they'll have that experience that if, as long as they're a point or two up or whatever, they'll just work the ball and work a score. Like, there's nothing more deflating than three minutes of possession and then a score for Dublin. So... I do think that bit of experience will eventually come to the fore, but um, absolutely, like you know, if Daniel Flynn gets a goal, the the crowd's going to absolutely erupt, isn't it? Like, and he's a player I've admired for years. Like ever since that point he got against Dublin, taking the eight or nine steps he took on the Hogan stand, not bitter about it at all, but just sensational score. And you know, the likes of Neil Flynn as well, they they, they do have some sort of firepower to kind of keep Dublin on their toes. It's just. It's just like Dublin being here hundreds of times. They will probably get over the line and it's the players driving that maybe more than the management just based on what we've been kind of hearing from the camp. It doesn't seem that it's a happy or as happy as it's been. And maybe it's just a case that Jim Gavin was almost almost underappreciated for the job he did, uh, keeping everything in-house, keeping everyone happy, keeping everyone ticking along. Um, and it just Desi, you know, the final, looking back on last year's All-Ireland, you could argue that they didn't play anyone until the final and they played James Horn in his first season back, not too dissimilar to the Sorrell management team this year, probably a year too soon. So in terms of the game though, yeah, if, if he, as I said, you can get the likes of Daniel Flynn, the likes of Neil Flynn, get Jimmy Hoyle, get someone get a goal in that forward line, Kildare, if they can get a point or two up the crowd, um, I, I presume it's the 18,000 again, they'll get right behind this, Kildare team and yeah we'll have a game I, I can see something like that happening and we'll have a game for 50-55 minutes and, but I do think Dublin have a lot of streetwise lads that they're not going to lose to Kildare um, going for seven in a row Yeah and I suppose you can look towards that uh, average score stat but even look at previous games for Kildare and the way Dublin close out games as well I find that particularly interesting because in the last few games for Kildare I've watched a few of them, obviously the first game against Cork they were way ahead going into the last 10 minutes and they could have easily lost that game. Like Cork ended up losing only by four points. It should have been like a 10-point game. Cork weren't performing particularly well. Against Clare, they got caught with a late goal. Like, And even against Mead, Mead dragged the bat to three points in that game. They did well in fairness in the semi-final against West Mead just to you know, steady the ship and win the game in the end. But that has to be a question mark for Kildare. Can they withstand Dublin pressure for 10 minutes because they haven't done it with weaker sides like Corks, the Clares and Meads. That has to be a concern for Jack O'Connor going into this game. Yeah, and it's like, if you're Jack O'Connor, you have to come up with a game plan. And I think he will in the in that first, you know, quarter to f- first half where you can rattle the dubs or you're within striking distance. 
say you get to halftime and you're a point up or a point down or whatever, but you've got to come out with a completely different game plan because you can guarantee this Dublin team has sorted it. If not the management team, the likes of Brian Fenton, who I think is an incredible leader on that team, forget his football ability, but just be sorting things out. I do think also, sorry, I should have mentioned earlier that John Small is going to be back for this game. I think do think Dublin have missed that presence in at centre back as, as well. You know, it's something as, as small as that could make a massive difference for the, the dubs. And I just think that bit of experience. So if you're Jack O'Connor, you got to have three or four game plans, which is a lot to come up with in two weeks. Um, although he would have probably has his own ideas of how to play Dublin over the years. And the fact you're getting Dublin on the decline, albeit probably still there and still the best team in the country it, you've got to come up with as I said two or three game plans and I don't know if the Kildare have the options up front to you know take Daniel Flynn out or there for five minutes or you know move players around whether they have that strength and depth that Dublin have and it's just you can't buy that experience that the, these Dublin players have seen so many games that you could argue on another day they could have lost against Mayo in that 2019 final against Kerry and they got over the line and that's mainly to that experience and they went into that mode as I said against me it was striking that they had to do that you never know they might have to do a small bit of that on Sunday and if they do that and Kildare get within six or seven points and you look at Kildare's season they've got to Leinster final they've gotten Dublin to six or seven points and they've got promoted back to division one you'd say that's an incredible season albeit I do think they were tad lucky to to get over the line and get into that division one it's it's great and they can build that momentum and a big name like Jack O'Connor can help build that so but yeah, I, just, I don't know. I just Every time I start talking about myself and the Kildare Steam with Dublin, I just think of that last 10 minutes where it's not to December against Cork with Cork and Dublin where they'll just, the, the better team will just see it out based on, like the Dublin bench is still phenomenal. It's still the best in the country and they still have the players to um, to score four or five points in three or four minutes and that, that could kill any game, you know. Something you mentioned there, like I, I actually didn't realise this John Small coming back. Like even I said this on multiple podcasts in the past, John Small in that team, that centre-back role, he's crucial to Dublin. Like, you even see in the last year, Leinster, Leinster final, I know me didn't put up really a chance at the end, but John Small, one, one tackle that stands out in particular, I think it was midway through the first half where he just blew Killian O'Sullivan, I think, out of it. And then mm. Dublin starting attack. Like, I think he's absolutely crucial to Dublin. I looked at the injury against Kerry. I thought he'd be out for the whole year, in all honesty. But that's testament to the Dublin backroom team, I suppose, that he's back for this game, if you're correct there. But I think Cluxton is another big loss for Dublin. I know Evan Comerford has performed well enough going um, by the last few games. But Cluxton, he's that leader around the dressing room. And he retired. Well, he's not retired, apparently. But... That has to be a distraction, I would have thought, for Dublin as well, the whole Cluxton saga. Yeah, no, I definitely saw in a few places that John Small is um, possibly coming back. I'm just trying to find, just find it there when you're talking. But um, if he is, uh, yeah. And he, everyone knows Brian Fenton hasn't lost the championship game since he played, played for Dublin in 2015. But no one realises that John Small also hasn't lost the championship game. He's played a couple of less than Brian Fenton, but he essentially hasn't lost a championship game since he played for Dublin, which is phenomenal. And he kind of gets forgotten in that little stat uh, statistics. I think Dermot Connolly brought that up in an interview and I had to kind of double check on myself. But yeah, so he, that that kind of stat shows you how important he is. And I think he's been a, an amazing presence. And I think he's matured as a footballer in terms of he had that kind of couple of incidents off the ball that I think have kind of gone from this game. And he's just a real mature centre-back. And I think he he's an absolute massive addition to this Dublin team if, if he is if he is back and I expect him to be back in terms of the Stephen Cluxton saga it's, it's just an absolute mess how it's been dealt with um, 
reading between the lines, like there's a lot of rumors going around, you know, putting two and two together. And from what I've heard, it looks like something to do with that COVID lockdown training session. I don't think um, if he wasn't aware of it, I don't think Cluxon would be would have been happy about it, considering the ramifications at the time. Like we forget what world we were in back then compared to now. So if if it is something as small as that, you'd kind of like look at a, a coldly going with the, this kind of situation have happened under Jim Gavin or would you have allowed it? Who knows? And it's probably unfair and Desi to give him comparisons, but it does seem the more you look at it that as I mentioned that Dublin maybe got over the line in a soft all iron last year and everything kind of went right for them. Whereas all of a sudden the cracks are kind of appearing and it was kind of one crack and then it's two or three or four cracks. Eric Lenz is not involved with the squad as well. Like I don't think like Cluxon, I don't think Comerford's a bad goalkeeper. I think Comerford's possibly one of the best goalkeepers in the country, particularly with that. I think he suits that Dublin, you know, his kickouts are still phenomenal, but once they come up against a, a proper, proper team in a semi-final or final, I think that, that that will eventually show. And it's obviously not just on the pitch, it's off the pitch, the incredible professionalism that Cluxon brought you know, being out two hours before training, all that, um, I do think they miss him big time. So yeah, if they can get John Small back, that'll be a massive addition, but you do not underestimate like how big a loss as Fluxen is, which obviously now it looks like he won't be back for this season anyway. Yeah, I, I think Fluxen's an unbelievable loss for Dublin. He's the best goalkeeper that's definitely I've ever seen and he's the best goalkeeper in history that most people will ever see and to lose that kind of a player, no matter if you're a six or seven or winning team, like it's an absolute travesty to lose. And in that way as well, I don't know, is it the COVID um, situation, mm-hmm. as you said, that uh, brought a few bits of scrutiny as well. And, you know, it, it's it's tough to say in this situation, like it's a tough one with Stephen Cluxton. And most people saying he's selfish and all that. I think that's absolute rubbish, in all honesty. I think he's a brilliant player for Dublin over the last few years and deserves the respect he usually gets. But you would think Dublin would win this game against Kildare. No disrespect to Kildare or anything. But moving forward to the all the semi-final, it'll be Dublin playing Mayo. Now, look at Mayo last Sunday against Galway. Especially the second half performance, because I don't think they were honest in the first half. It took a while for them to get into that game. And look at the young players coming through. Ryan O'Donoghue's coming to the fore now. Matty Rowan is one of the players of the year, in my opinion, so far. Yeah. I know Killian O'Connor's missing, but still they have players to make the difference against Dublin. And look at Dublin's performances so far. Will Mayo be a very tough challenge for Dublin moving forward? Yeah, just on your closing point, yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, we're not dealing... I think we forget because we were so consumed with Premier League, so consumed with the Euros. This isn't a professional sport. Um, We've no right to Stephen Cluxon. He's entitled to his privacy and we nobody knows what's going on behind those closed doors as well. So I think it's important to say that. Mayo, like, really impressed in the second half. And I was, you've kind of stole my thunder on Matthew Rand. I think he was absolutely unbelievable. Like, he's just, Jesus, like, he's like really delivering on that. I thought Aiden O'Shea's second half performance was immense. The uh, amount of work rate he, he did, I think he kind of drove that team on. It's, they have a lot of like Ryan O'Donoghue, all of a sudden Mayo, you know, not saying it's a blessing in disguise. I want to be careful with my words here, but I guess in a small bit, Kenny O'Connor being injured has allowed these lads to flourish and start. And they have, you know, maybe small bit of strength and depth that they can definitely give Dublin a game. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so Dublin's biggest test might not be carrying an All-Iron final, which I thought at the start of the year, it might be getting to that All-Iron final. And Mayo, you know, obviously we'll be bowling over, not just last year, but since uh, since 2012 or since 20, since 2015 against Dublin in Crow Park, or 2013 actually in Crow Park, that they haven't managed to beat them. So 
yeah, I think May will be a massive test. I'm really looking forward to that game if it does happen. But uh, in terms of Sunday, yeah, I just can't see. Like, I'd want, like, I'm not going to lie, I've been, as a Dublin fan, I've been pretty bored of the success. I've been pretty bored of watching games that they don't even, like, the 2020, last year's championship meant nothing to me. It really didn't because, not just the pandemic, but how easy it was. And the 2018 was a bit of a farce as well. Like, it, it was those two games against Kerry that kind of, and the five in a row and everything and history really drove my love for it on and wanting Dublin to win. Whereas before this year, I'd kind of like almost want a, a test anyway, at the very least. Whereas now we're getting that before uh, the All-Ireland. So I've suddenly all of a sudden really want to be carrying an All-Ireland final again, which is good. So it's probably not a bad thing for Dublin to be written off. And all of a sudden, as I said, I'm probably not the only one that's getting a bit more of a motivation. Hearing a lot about Kerry already winning the All-Ireland and favourites to win it, which I actually think they will in the end. So it'll be good. It'd be good if we get to that. But we have a few cracking games. Come on. But Sunday, I think Dublin will have too much recall there. Yeah, and even on the Kerry subject, uh, most people would probably want Kerry to win the All-Ireland, except for Dublin and Cork fans. Don't forget us. Like We don't want Kerry to win the All-Ireland either. They, they're just across the road, and we don't want them shouting the odds and things like that, and they won't even, go on. Even beating Dublin, you'd still, you'd still rather Dublin win seven in a row, if you had the choice. If it was a choice between Dublin and Kerry, as a Cork fan, I'd rather Dublin win it. I, I know that just... That just sounds ridiculous in many yeah. ways, but I I just can't stand Kerry winning the All Ireland. You know, they just rubbing their face, going down to Killarney or Cork next year, and it just you won't hear the end of us. You seriously won't hear the end of us. I know some fans are oblivious to Munster in many ways, but look, Kerry, they just won't uh, stop until. Jeez, and even with even if we win an under twenty or hurling this year, I, I just can't. Like Kerry win the All Ireland, I, I think they will win the All Ireland. Look at their performances in the league and in the Munster Championship; they've been unbelievable. But doesn't mean I don't want them to win it. I, I really don't. But yeah, look at look at them so far. It looks very hard to beat them, doesn't it? You remind me of looking afar at England winning the Euros and it's coming home and everyone's like, oh no, it wouldn't be nice now if England, when they play really, you know, they deserve the player, the team's great, Kerry are a great team. And you're like, no, but don't, you're not thinking of six months down the line when they're still going on about it. And you, you mentioned Kerry fans, like my whole childhood was going down to Kerry every year and been almost embarrassed by Dublin's performances in championships. And I, I'm deadly serious on that. Let, let's go through them like 2002, 2001, we lost to Kerry, 2002, we lost to Armada, 2003, we lost to Armada, 2004, we lost to Kerry, 5 Tyrone, 6 uh, Mayo, 7 Kerry, 8 Tyrone, 9 Kerry, 10 Cork. And, you know, in that 7, 8, 9 period, I just lost all hope. Will we ever win? I kept looking at the role of honour and uh, Kerry being on 33 or something and Dublin being on 22 going, and we're never going to get that done in my lifetime where all of a sudden we're, I've lost track of it now, but we're right there. I think we'll eventually get there over Kerry. So I know, and I have to remind myself when wanting a competitive championship, particularly 19 going, if Dublin win the five in a row now, 20 years time, that, as soon as Kerry starts chirping at the dubs, you can point to that and saying, you'll never win five in a row, which will never be done again by a team outside of Dublin anyway. So uh, I, I, don't, I haven't lost uh, track of that. I am, I am aware of Kerry and uh, <laughs> some of their supporters at times, but um, I am very impressed with that Kerry team. How can you not be Sean O'Shea, probably the most likable footballer in Ireland? It's very hard to not like him. And the scary thing, when you were talking about David Clifford earlier, like Kerry won by 22 points and David Clifford scored one free in the 60th minute right in front of the post. It's 
madness and it just shows you uh, the likes of Potty, Clifford, Sean O'Shea, etc. Gainey, you know, they've just got so many good players and yeah, they, I, I think they'll probably do it if you're asking me for an All-Ireland prediction, but yeah, no, I, I, I can see where you're coming from a small bit. I just uh, just thought you might want the Dubs to not win one and maybe go back to beating Kerry again, but you probably never hear the end of it. Probably won't know, but um, if it if it's Mayo, it's a different story. If it's Tyrone, it's, it's a different story. But it just if it's Kerry, there's only one winner for for me at at all costs. But um, even you look at Kerry this year, but even they performed so well, they won by twenty two points. But you you have to take into account the opposition as well. Like even me as a Cork fan, that day was embarrassing the way we performed that day and the way we defended, like Dublin or Tyrone or Mayo will not defend like that, especially the first goal when Brian O'Biogli doesn't get a challenge in uh, with him coming forward or with Sean Potter and Kyle up the field and car players aren't covering back. That won't happen against the likes of Dub- a Dublin, a Mayo or Tyrone. So I give you hope there. I suppose Kerry's defence is probably something you could string at considering Cork outplayed them in the first quarter, beat them by five points, and they fell away in the end. But you have to look at Kerry's defence as a way of beating them, I suppose. Yeah, like it's it's the same old problems with Kerry. Like I watched that first quarter going, I actually can't believe this. Like I was expecting Kerry to batter absolute batter Cork and it's one five to four points. I'm going, Jesus Christ, what is going on? It cannot happen again. You can't happen again that you lose to Cork. Like I, I personally think Kerry could have beaten Dublin in the final last year and the fact they couldn't even get near it and it, the same thing's going to happen now and by half time the game's over which is you know pretty amazing in itself and then yeah I've parents the court they gave it a, a go they're very naive but I, I don't think that's a bad thing and I think long term you know it doesn't help losing by 22 points and I saw a bit of narrative going <clears throat> how terrible were Cork and they, they weren't great but they did you know give it a go and they did expose some Kerry weaknesses which might not be a bad thing for Kerry like I do think this um, defensive style of football that Kerry tried last year wouldn't have beaten Dublin anyway. And the fact is they have another crack at it now to play all attacking football means that they will have one-on-ones against Dublin that won't, won't go their way. Like if, if Kerry played Dublin tomorrow, I expect Dublin to get the two goals. But I also expect Kerry to get the two goals as well, So which means there'll be a shootout. And in a shootout, I'd probably fancy Kerry. So a lot of people are worried about Kerry's backs in the one-on-one battles. And if Brian Hurdy's like ripping into you, go, what, what's Conor Callan going to do? Absolutely but uh, probably overemphasized slightly in the sense that that's the way Kerry play. They're, they are going to leave those one-on-ones and I can just see them outscoring. A, I definitely think they'll have enough firepower to beat Tyrone Ormond in and I can see them having enough to be doubling the final with that scoring power. Like, let's not forget the 2019 final, it, that Kerry team compared to this Kerry team, it's night and day. Like that, The Kerry team now is so much better than that team in 2019 and they were one kick up David Moore and losing possession away from winning that. So... You know, it, it just shows you. I, I think Kerry are there now, and I think they are rightly installed as Bucky's favourites to win the All Ireland. So they they're everybody's favourites. Like they're they're my mm-hmm. favourites as well to win the All Ireland. I can't look past the talent they have at the forwards. You like some people are saying. Like I was putting reactions up on my Instagram during the week, and people were pointing towards what I've been pointing towards for weeks: their defence and all that. But I just can't see a team that can beat them. Like Dublin are performing poorly so far. Mayo, we all know what Mayo are like. Tyrone, I think, are too inconsistent. Monaghan, I don't think are up there quite yet. I know they have other players, but Dan McManus. But 
Look, I, I just can't see anybody beating Kerry, but we'll have to wait and see. It should be brilliant games at football and hurling during the weekend and throughout the summer. And just before you go, Daniel, uh, you co-founded Tackling Sports, your own podcast. It's not just GA, it has uh, soccer as well and other sports as well. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it kind of came about in lockdown one, long story short. Um, I've always kind of been interested in, in sports journalism and I was meant to be emigrating to Australia, which obviously fell through in May 2020. So I, I just decided to kind of take a punt on it myself and Sean set up a sports podcast. Kind of, it kind of interviews, you know, a wide range of sports. And the kind of main premise of it is to interview people you don't always hear from. So if that's, you know, a football agent or a sports agent, for example, if that's a referee or if it's like fans, which is kind of what the the, the podcast is built on. And because I always felt there was an absence of, you know, not too dissimilar to what the GA fan TV do, what yourselves do is getting people involved on social media and podcasts. And I never felt there was that kind of show to go on and talk nonsense about sport as a fan. You know what I mean? And I feel we kind of bring that to life. So yeah, it's, it's going well. Like we're across all platforms, tackling sport. We're on Monday nights and Thursday nights. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, just talk nonsense about sport, really. Um, at the moment, what we're doing is we're reviewing on Monday show, reviewing what's happened, which is, you know, these days, GA, the, the Euros, GA, and then the Olympics previously. And then on the Thursday, we're doing a bit of fan story segment, which is at the moment interviewing Premier League fans and stories about their clubs, but also looking at bringing that across the guy and talking about, you know, how you can, we'll have you on now um, and talk about guy and Cork heartbreak. I'm sure we'll get plenty of, there's a podcast on that. All right. Fan stories, but uh yeah, it's just something a bit different and we kind of want to bring that not just on the podcast, but like you're doing yourself and um, social media as well and building that following. So I'm um, enjoying it so far and really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Daniel, it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, following is absolutely brilliant. I'm involved in journalism as well. I'm going to second year of college in UL. So yeah, it's a brilliant course to go down if you love sports and you love what you're doing. And it, it's just brilliant since... Look at you said the way you lay out your episodes of the podcast. So I think that's absolutely brilliant as well. And you get a nice bit of following on social media. So just before we go as well, do you want to um, tell us where you could be found on social media? Yeah, so we're at Tackling Sport on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn as a page set up. And we also have, um, yeah, as I said, live Monday nights, Thursday nights on YouTube. And it's available as a podcast first thing in the morning on the Tuesday morning or the Friday morning. And the, the reviews, as I said, our weekend reviews are kind of up-to-date stuff, but with the fan stories, what we're trying to build is like timeless content that, for example, the last one we did was a Leeds United fan, good bit of traction, he's kind of a funny guy I speak to, but I the kind of view for that is that any Leeds fan can listen to that going, Jesus, yeah, I remember that, it's a good listen, or uh, an Arsenal fan like myself, um, for my sins, don't mention him, worst year ever to start a podcast talking about Arsenal, but I can listen to Leeds fan going, yeah, geez, that's mad, yeah it's not as bad to be you know what i mean so uh that's the kind of premise but yeah attacking sport is where you can get us on all social media yes you do brilliant work here an arsenal fan as well well i'm a liverpool fan myself so um i kind of know your pain and uh, look at liverpool over the 20 you're, you're on 20 the other years. side now though that's the problem yeah, yeah exactly exactly uh, better side than cork in all honesty and enjoying <laughs> it but um hopefully both our sides will do well next year and hopefully Dublin will put up a chance to cork and to win the Leinster final and the football going on. I thank you very much for joining, Daniel. I wish you the best of luck over the next few weeks with the podcast. No worries. Thanks very much. And best of luck to you, to you as well with GA Statsman. Really good page. Thank you very much to Daniel for coming on to the episode today. And thank you for listening. 
Thank you to our sponsors, FortuneFavors.ie, for sponsoring today's show. And until next week, I'll see you then and take care.